You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, including the Himalaya Podcast app. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday final podcast of the week and we've got an update on Zion Williamson and his agency search it is over he's chosen someone if you're a fan of the Pels you're probably pretty happy with who it is more importantly who it is not I'll give you the scoop on all of that since that broke yesterday morning I think everyone kind of let out a big celebration then we're going to be talking AD trade scenarios the rest of the way here I'll give you an update on what's going on in our kind of fake trade scenarios with the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to look at two teams in particular, the two front runners, in my opinion, for the second and third segments. Maybe you guys can kind of decide which deal you like the most and we can throw it up there for a vote. So a lot to cover in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to all of that, today's podcast is brought to you by Grip6, the ultra lightweight belt with no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip6.com for a special offer. That's Grip6.com, G-R-I-P, the number 6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E, to get that special offer. So Zion Williamson, the projected number one over, it's not even projected, the number one, the future number one overall pick by the Pelicans, it's as simple as that, has chosen an agency to represent him in all negotiations for his NBA contract, I would assume endorsement deals, and other things as well. He is signed with CAA Sports, that was announced early Thursday morning. Um, It's going to be agent Austin Brown and CAA executive Lisa Joseph Metellus, and they're going to be representing Zion Williamson. He's kind of been going a little bit slow with this process, picking an agent, probably because this is a guy who could get anyone he wants to represent him, and everyone probably wants the chance to represent him, potentially including clutch sports as well. I think everyone here in New Orleans, when they saw that Thursday morning, thought this is an awesome day, and now we don't have to deal with clutch sports potentially forcing another client out of New Orleans like it seems to be they're doing with Anthony Davis, or just kind of doing what AD wants, which is maybe also not to be here. But no worries regarding this now. CAA, um, who represents a number of NBA players, including guys like D'Angelo Russell, uh, Gary Harris, uh, Jaron Jackson, Colin Sexton. Um, They've represented Dwayne Wade in the past as well. And a number of prominent sports uh, guys from sports athletes, sports players, athletes, whatever, from other sports. Um, I think I saw J.J. Watt. So a pretty good stable of clients during all of this. And Dwayne Wade's probably the one you really want to look at, though, in terms of Zion Williamson. Dwayne Wade was able to build a very strong brand off of the NBA court, something that Zion Williamson certainly will be looking to do as well, coming in as the most hyped rookie probably since LeBron James. I don't know if that means he's going to be the best rookie since LeBron James or is the most talented rookie since LeBron James. I do believe that still is Anthony Davis, but certainly the most hyped 
since LeBron James. He's in line probably for a $20 million plus shoe deal, something you rarely see rookies get. John Morant supposedly has one already in place, um, and you're going to probably see something come soon for Zion Williamson when he enters into the NBA, and CAA is going to help him with all of that. I know people are celebrating, they're happy that it's not clutch sports, but honestly, this doesn't matter. You know, it was the same thing with Anthony Davis. Whoever's representation was is doing other stuff than kind of negotiate the NBA contract for him. Look, Zion, if you want someone to take a smaller cut, I'll just focus on the NBA stuff, and I promise you, I will get you that 120% of the rookie scale contract money that you can, the max you can get for your first contract. That's going to get offered to him no matter who his agent is. Likely, in four years, when he's up for his second um, NBA contract, his second deal, he's going to get the max then too. So it being CAA or clutch doesn't really matter, at least for these first four to six to seven to eight years. You know, Anthony Davis couldn't really do anything until it was his seventh year in the league going into his eighth. And that's when you started to see the Rocky relationship with the Pelicans really come to the surface and him realize his worth, his value and the agency to try and get out of New Orleans and take control over his career. They don't really have that until much further along and so because of that, it doesn't really matter who their agent is because he's locked in. You've got him for six, seven years, no problem, um, without even kind of the, any sort of worrying of a trade. So I think it doesn't really matter, but yeah, certainly it's probably nice to not see it be clutch that you don't need to kind of deal with any friction there, even though David Griffin does have a good relationship with Rich Paul and will probably continue that in the coming weeks as he works on um, either retaining Anthony Davis or trading Anthony Davis. So this doesn't really matter, but if you feel if it makes you feel a little bit better or just kind of maybe you think it tells you more about Zion Williamson, then sure, probably doesn't really kind of give you any insight into who he is personally. But hey, you know what? It's never a bad thing when it's not exactly kind of the miserable person um, that you don't want to be dealing with. So cool. CAA, Zion Williamson's agency, still going to be number one overall, still going to be here in New Orleans for seven years, let's say conservatively. So we're all set. We can move on. This was no big deal, no matter who he chose to represent him. So it's time to have some fun, get into all the different types of trade scenarios that we can. But I also want to mention before we get to all of that, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere for doing anything. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. So figuring out the best trade for Anthony Davis, I've learned these past couple days, is pretty hard. And it's tough to kind of evaluate all the different offers coming in. And I'm doing this as part of our Locked On NBA mock draft that we'll have coming in the next couple of weeks where you, we can make trades in this. Normally, I don't really worry too much about that. But with Anthony Davis and moving him out, yeah, it makes sense to kind of look at this. So I, I talked about the Portland Trailblazers and their interest in Anthony Davis. Their fake interest, I should say. This is certainly, certainly not any sort of inside info or anything like that. This is just all us podcasters talking about this stuff, but getting their insight as people who run their teams or know their teams better than I do, I never would have thought the Portland Trailblazers were going to get into this. So I asked him, and I can give you a follow-up on it because we talked about it in the last segment of yesterday's show, that you know they came in with that offer of CJ McCollum, Zach Collins, Anthony Simmons, and 
uh, the, their first round pick this year and then a future first next year um, or the year after, basically. It depends on how it kind of gets done. And it kind of surprised me that they would kind of go all in. And I thought it had to do with Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. So I emailed the guy back and asked him that and he goes, no, had nothing to do with the Raptors, which struck me even more. And it was more that he said the Portland Trailblazers really internally believe in their culture and that they could convince a guy like Anthony Davis to stay. And they made a big run, which I don't remember, at Paul George, convinced they would get him to stay there over in Portland if they had traded for him when he wanted out from the Indiana Pacers. So interesting to kind of see the rationale and the thought behind this. And clearly, this is a dude who knows the team better than I do. So these are the people we want to be having these type of discussions with, not just, you know, me and some other guys bandying about what we think the Celtics might offer. And we're all Pelicans people. That doesn't give you much insight to anything, to be honest. So other teams have made their offers kind of known. The Knicks made me an offer basically of like everyone I would want minus Mitchell Robinson. I could probably get Mitchell Robinson thrown in there. I'm just not that intrigued by some of those young guys like Alonzo Trier, like a Kevin Knox, like a Dennis Smith Jr. Even if it does mean you get RJ Barrett with the third overall pick, I just think... Eh, I'm not, you know, I like Barrett. I think it's actually a little bit closer than others do between him and Morant. I'm just not blown away enough to move Anthony Davis for that. And I think I'd want to at least get draft compensation and like established NBA guys, or at least young, young guys, not young vets, but young players that have at least shown you something in the NBA. So the first team that, or another team that really kind of jumped into the mix with the AD offers, and this is my good friend John Corrales of Locked On Celtics, made an opening offer of Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, the 14th overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft, and the Memphis pick, which is top six protected next season, and then it goes to an unprotected pick in 2021. You know, I think I like that more than, say, the third pick or the fourth overall pick. Certainly better than the fourth overall pick because there's a big drop-off from three to four in this draft. I'm not particularly high on, like, anybody being a future all-star in that range of, like, four to 15, four to 12, four to 10, something like that. Like, Ugh, I just no one gets me excited from that that it's like yes he's going to be a stud on my team in years to come so I th- like this Memphis pick a little bit more because maybe it's a deeper draft next year or maybe it's deeper the year after that when this could be a top three top four top five six seven pick in the future when there's just more guys that you like better you know, and maybe at that point the one and done rule is gone, and you have a chance at getting these really young guys out of high school who should be making the leap to the NBA. So that offer is already intriguing enough. I'd certainly like to try and get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown together, even though I'm not partic- I'm higher on Tatum than I am on Brown, and I would probably look to try and move. Um, Jalen Brown should he come over in a trade, but by itself Tatum. The 14th pick and the future Memphis pick, along with Marcus Smart, who you basically need to include to make the salaries work, not too bad. Robert Williams had a handful of flashes here and there last year. But let's take a quick look at Jason Tatum, which is really who this 
offer is centered around. This is a guy who's going to be entering his third year in the league, played 80 games his rookie year, 79 this past season. Last year, averaged 15.7 points per game, six rebounds, 2.1 assists. He shot 37.3% from deep on pretty decent volume, shot 45% overall. He's a 400 career, uh, sorry, 40% career uh, three-point shooter. So he's got some range. Defensively, there's a lot of upside there. His size is pretty good. He plays that small forward position. He's 6'8", so it kind of fits that wing player that the Pelicans just have not had for a very long time here, and you just would like almost anybody to kind of come in and fill it in. It gives you two years of Jason Tatum to really figure out if you like him or not before you've got to commit a lot of money to him, and I think that's something to keep in mind as well. A lot of people are going to look at his playoff run against the Milwaukee Bucks this past year and kind of knock him down. I'm cool with it. You know, they played the Bucks, the number one defense basically all year long. They made everyone they play, for the most part, look pretty foolish. So a guy struggling in his second year in the league, yeah, it's totally okay that, you know, they didn't go on the run they'd like and he didn't play particularly well. But for the playoffs this year, 15.2 points per game along with 6.7 rebounds and 1.9 assists. Two turnovers, eh, didn't shoot from three particularly well. 32.3% didn't shoot well from the field overall, under 45%. But it's a young guy who's kind of still growing, developing, and I think could be someone who's pretty good. Frankly, I'm high on him. It's as simple as that. The year before that in the playoffs, 18.5 points per game, along with 4.4 rebounds and 2.7 assists. Uh, Three-point shooting wasn't great. Field goal percentage was better. But this is kind of who the centerpiece of the trade is around. As for uh, Jalen Brown, the issue is you only get one year to really look at him before you would need to really make a decision on him. And I think that's, you know, they're in not this year, but the next year in free agency, a lot of guys are going to get paid, and that wings position is pretty low. He's going to get a big deal, and I don't know if I'd feel great about offering that to him. For this year, he averaged 13 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists. Did it with shooting 34.4% from deep and 46.5% from the field overall. Like He's fine. He's probably a two-guard, though he can kind of still play on the wing as well at six foot seven. I'm just higher on Jason Tatum. I get why people are higher on Jalen Brown. His floor is probably higher than Tatum's, but I don't think his ceiling is as high. Um, And I'd rather just kind of go big if it came to it. But I think that's a pretty good starting offer. Obviously, I'm going to try and get John to include both Tatum and Brown in there. But Marcus Smart, uh, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, the 14th pick, and the Memphis pick, it's a pretty good package. You get kind of that role player that you'd like who could start alongside Drew Holiday and be just an absolute menace in the backcourt um, in Marcus Smart. Tatum's kind of your centerpiece. He's going to start small forward for you. Robert Williams is an intriguing center who was young and, again, did a few good things in very limited minutes last year. You can probably get a rotation guy with the 14th overall pick. And Memphis, in that pick, in the future has chance to be gold. And even if it doesn't, you're probably okay with this. Basically, you're looking at like four Five uh, lottery picks total. Smart was one. Tatum was one. Robert Williams was not. Um, the 14th pick, not a lot. Is not quite a lottery pick, though it is. Um, and then the Memphis pick. It's a pretty good return on everything. And I think that's one of the offers I like the most. You want to try and squeeze a little bit more out of them. But overall, if that's kind of the starting offer, I think you got to seriously look at it. And it might really come down to what you think of Jason Tatum. I'm higher on him than maybe others are. But I feel pretty good about that. And if that's the return for Anthony Davis, I 
I, you know, I think they're solidly in the running and I think that's a reasonable offer to potentially expect from them. So we're going to look at the other offer that I think is really intriguing as well. And I'm going to let you guys tell me maybe what you, what trade you think I should do. But today's show also brought to you by Untuck It. Thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring Locked On Pelicans. And if you're looking for a great Father's Day idea, their shirts are designed to look great, untucked, and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. It's always nice when you have something that can work at the office and when you go visit your friends for happy hour after that. There's no tucking or tailoring required. They just look good. Go to untuckit.com, use the promo code NBA for 20% off. So there's another offer on the table that's really intriguing, and it comes from Los Angeles. And no, it's not the Lakers. I informed the Lakers that it's not them. It's not Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers. It's just their players, and I can't get excited for them, um, for Brandon Ingram, for for Kuzma, for Ball. And I just, I'm not excited about the fourth pick in this draft. If it was three... They'd be right in the mix, but the four pick kind of just kills it a little bit to me. Um, and so, yeah, inform them of that. But it's the Los Angeles Clippers. And originally, they, they weren't going to make me an offer because they don't have a lottery pick this year. But I wanted to reach out to at least ask if it's, you know, we were talking hypothetically about a trade. What would they offer? What do you think the Clippers would offer? And is it something they would want to do so that I don't just trade him to a team that has a first round, Anthony Davis, don't trade him to a team that has a first round pick just so we can mix up our mock draft. Um, so, so I reached out and they came back with what I think is a pretty compelling offer and kind of thinking about what's going on. And man, it's it's intriguing. So they he said, so Charles Mockler of Locked On Clippers, I don't know if we're going to do a ton of like negotiating on this, came in and said, I think the most realistic package this front office would offer is Shai Gillius Alexander, uh, Landry Shamet. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, the 2021 unprotected Miami pick, and the 2020 Philly pick. So you don't get an extra pick in this draft, but in the next two drafts, you have an extra first round pick in each one. The Philly pick's probably not going to be very worthwhile, but that Miami pick in 2021 could, depending on how things go. He also said maybe you throw Jerome Robinson in there as well. So this is also kind of a collection of lottery picks. Um, Gilgis Alexander is one from last year. Uh, Landry Shamitz, also a few, uh, former first-round pick. You've got the unprotected Miami pick, and then the Philly pick. That's basically four picks, more or less, kind of in there, if you want to kind of boil it down to that. Along with Danilo Gallinari, who's just a solid role player and guy who can play, who's also on a big expiring contract, so you're going to get some salary cap relief in the future. Think about it. If Gallo and Solomon Hill all come off the books next year, that's something like, let me look at what his contract is, because I don't know off the top of my head. I want to say it's like close to 25 million, something like that. That is a lot of cap space that you just cleared somewhere in like the $35 million range. That is not the worst thing to have when you should be having this young team. And then you can use that cap space, probably not to sign guys, uh, $22.6 million next year. But you, so that would give the Pelicans something like, yeah, it's about 35 million in cap space. When you combine it, we're just going to round to make it easy with Solomon Hill. That is unbelievably intriguing. You can either trade Gallinari at the trade deadline or just let him expire and clear $35 million in cap space, not to sign other free agents, but to use it to maybe take on bad contracts for a year or two and people looking to dump money and giving you extra assets, kind of similar to what the Philadelphia 76ers did for a very long time that got them some of those really intriguing draft picks that they've had in the future. So that's something you've really got to keep in mind um, with it. So 
It's an intriguing offer. I think this really comes down to what do you feel about Landry Shamit? What do you think about Shai Gilgis Alexander? I like both of them. I wouldn't say either of them are like amazing players right now, but they could turn into them. Shai Gilgis Alexander um, played 82 games for this team. Was basically starting like two or three weeks into the year. He's 6'6 with a seven foot wingspan, a point guard, and shows a lot of potential. Played at Kentucky. Defensively, he is very, very good already and uses his length. In the backcourt, and he and Holiday would be a lot of fun to watch. He averaged 10.8 points per game along with 3.3 assists and 2.8 rebounds. So the playmaking and every Everything else is not there right now, and that's a bit of a concern, but he can handle the ball enough. I don't think you need like a true point guard next to Drew Holiday. I think Gilgis Alexander could easily do it. Shoots well enough from three, 36.7%, but not on high volume, 47.6% from the field. Gets to the line, eh, not really, but shoots 80% from there. So he's still very raw, work in progress, but shows you kind of all the tools you'd like. Can get out in uh, transition and run that way too. Defensively, it's there. I, you know, there's a lot to like, but there's also still a lot of question marks about can he put enough weight on his frame? Is he going to keep growing offensively enough to really make him the, almost the centerpiece of an Anthony Davis trade? I don't know, to be honest. It's kind of a, a big question mark. Either you really like him or you don't, and I understand why you might not. Landry Shamit's a different um, story there too. He's He was a point guard in college, uh, but now is kind of moved to the two guard and has really learned a lot from JJ Redick. And I think that's kind of what you see out of him a little bit. He's six foot five, definitely plays the two, but has enough playmaking ability should he need it, I guess, in the NBA. Um, came over in the trade from the Philadelphia 76ers last year, played 25 games with the Clippers, 79 total, including 27 starts, so pretty good for a rookie year. 9.1 points per game, along with 1.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists. But here's what he did that's going to really jump out at you 43 points. from the field, but from three, 42.2% on almost five attempts per game. He took seven field goals total per game. Five of them were from three, and he shot 42.2% from there. That's good. Moves a little bit like J.J. Redick, too. Seemed to learn a lot from him over there in Philadelphia. You can get a J.J. Redick type of player. You're going to be pretty happy with everything. Um, Overall, defensively, not the greatest, but again, he's young. You're not expecting this guy to really contribute um, defensively yet in the NBA, and there's questions if he really ever will. But if you're pairing him with Shaq Gilgis-Alexander or with a guy like Drew Holiday, it's not as big of a concern. The shooting's there, and I think that's kind of the big thing. He kind of opens your eyes with that, and you really like what you see. Low turnover guy, doesn't always necessarily need the ball in his hands, can move and be a threat to It's tough not to kind of like him. And again, more shooting and putting that around Zion Williamson, really, really important. So it's an intriguing guy to kind of build it around. Gallo, as we said, that's more there for salary. I'd like to try and get Montrez Harrell out of there too. Um, Kind of just spark plug off the bench for him. Their bench unit's great with the Los Angeles Clippers. 16.6 points per game, six and a half rebounds. He does that in just 26 minutes per game. If he ever became a starter, put up some really good numbers. Getting paid $6 million a year. 
that's a good guy you can trade in the future. He's only 25. If you still just decide it's not someone you want on the team right now, he's going to have a lot of value around the league. To do that, you actually might need to include a guy like Etuan Moore with Anthony Davis in this trade, which maybe the Clippers would like. Um, but if you can also get off Moore's money you know, a year early, it's maybe not a bad thing either. So the Clippers offer like that with those two future first-round picks. One is just, eh, whatever, the one from Philly, but it's not bad to have. The other one from Miami could be really good in 2021, depending on how that team's doing. It's an intriguing offer, and I'm kind of torn. I get it. Jason Tatum's probably the best player in all of these deals, and maybe that Memphis pick is the best pick in all of these deals, but you get two guys who could be starters for you coming in from for a long time and who are very cost-controlled rookies from the Clippers. So I'm torn on this. Not really sure what to do. I need to make a decision on this soon just for the sake of our mock draft. But let me know what you think on Twitter, at Nola Jake, of course. I'm intrigued. Do you like the Clippers offer more or do you like the Celtics offer more? I'll tell you and we can talk about it on Monday. I'm not intrigued by the Nets. I don't know how realistic that is. I'm sure they're probably going to try and make a run at Anthony Davis. Just not enamored with the players that are kind of in that deal. I'll explain why on Monday with that. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Today's show brought to you by Hotels.com, Grip6 Belts, as well as Untuck It. And don't forget, download the Himalaya podcast app, get personally curated playlists, and subscribe to Locked On Pelicans through that. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back with you all on Monday. 